This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. After two weeks away, one week I was just uh, dying of throat issues. And then what happened even the week before? I think it was just we had work conflicts and everything else. So I think it's it's been a few weeks since Ethan and I have been able to pod about the NFL. But tonight we are back and uh, we are... We're feeling good. This is like we're both feeling good. Work's going well. We're not uh, dying of whatever annoying illness um, that we both have been fighting uh, with this crazy weather. But either way, Ethan, good evening. How are you, man? I'm good. And it has been a couple of weeks. And it's good to know that you're feeling better. A lot has happened since we last podcasted. I mean, Thanksgiving happened. I feel like we kind of have a better sense of every team is um yeah a few big stories in the nfl happen you know uh, slow playing i mean eli manning happened so that's something we got to talk about and a lot of other things can we just go ahead and say that was the saddest thing that has happened I, in the nfl this year can i can i just say that my upset of the week is giants over the raiders you can go ahead and say it but uh yeah we'll get there I, i'm not with you on that but I will say, like you're betting on a Geno Smith win in 2017, which, I, hey man, good hey, for dude, you. There was but... a hottest take of the week that I saw, and this actually happened before the election, was an article, and, and I'm going to respect the guy who wrote it, because, I mean, he's going out on a limb, and I love Geno Smith coming out of West Virginia, so I'm not going to hit on him too much. Uh, I don't remember who wrote it exactly, but the gist of the column was that Geno Smith through this stage in his career is very similar to where Drew Brees was when he was at oh this my stage God. in the career. That's not a real and, column. And, you know, I mean, I, I am here for the Geno Smith reclamation project to start this week against a really, really bad Oakland defense. I'm here for it. I'm I will ready. say Geno my Smith can't ready. be worse than the shit that we saw on Monday night with Joe Flacco and Tom Savage. Oh, I, I didn't watch. Did not want. <laughs> Good I, idea. I, one thing I'm very proud of this year is that there are certain games when I've just myself, I'm not going to watch these, and I haven't watched them. I've been true to myself. How has the NFL just had such bad luck with these primetime games? Like, both primetime games this week were terrible. The Thanksgiving primetime game was awful. I watched almost all of Giants Redskins, and I cannot believe I sat through the majority of that. I think it's just because I'm so invested in this Washington team this year, where... I just I refuse to just write them off completely. I, maybe it's because they're my NFC East pick before the year, but I'm still riding for Kirk Cousins and that team. And I remember I said something to my uh, one of my roommates, and we were watching on the couch, and I was like, "This field looks 
awful. I think this is another Washington terrible field game. I, I like look at the way Kirk is moving around. He's like struggling to plant his foot when he's moving around in the pocket. Like he missed one throw where he clearly would not have missed it if the field was even remotely okay. And sure enough, Kirk Cousins was complaining about the field the next day. And yeah, like it just bizarre. It's the weirdest home field situation I think in the NFL where I think the 49ers had something like that a couple of years ago when they first opened Levi Stadium where there was field issues that were they were talking about that early on. But the Redskins, I just don't understand how they haven't addressed this, especially your home field. You're playing eight games there every year. How do you have a tur- like a, a grass problem this many years in a row? I don't understand how they haven't fixed that. Some teams just purposely do it. Like the Patriots purposely keep their field bad. Really? I, I definitely. What do you mean by I that? So. How, where, where are these sources? They. Are you well? I'll put it this way: they, they've this tried, podcast? tried to switch the, they tried to switch their turf out like three times, and the field has not gotten any better. I mean, Houston notoriously oh. also has a really horrible field. Interesting. I didn't know that. Huh. Okay. So I'm happy to also say, I because we can't go back through all the games we missed, but I will say, I think I feel really good about the Chargers. I refuse Come to leave back. the Chargers Island after early this season. You, I'm glad you're joining me again because I never wavered. I'd like to let the record show I never wavered from Chargers Island. And my resort that I've built while everyone fled is uh, doing very well. Doing very well. A lot of people dying to come check out Chargers Island. To be fair, though, this game this week against the Browns would be the most Chargers game ever to lose. Don't you dare. They're not they losing to the Browns, to the Browns in back-to-back year. years. They lost to them last year. I know. The only I team the Browns point, have beaten in two years. <laughs> the only team the Browns have beaten in two years is the Chargers. They got to make it two for two. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying. It would be very funny. I think funny you actually have to cancel the Chargers' existence. I think you have to like rename them or something next year if they lose to the Browns Sunday. I think you have to do something because losing to this Browns team back-to-back years is unacceptable. I think there's, I think that you just have to have a second team in Cleveland. You know, I don't think LA can support two teams. You got to have that second team in Cleveland as a Browns alternative, and they beat every Ooh, team except take? for the Browns. Is this a hot take? The Chargers, I think, are still a better team overall this year than the Rams. That's a little hot just because I've seen the Chargers in person. A little hot. Okay. I've seen the Chargers in person. They're just, again, they're playing better now. I think they sort of regress to the mean. A team is still not well coached, though, and they make some really stupid That's plays. That's the thing. If you put Sean McVay with those weapons, I think the Chargers are a lot more talented, but their overall coaching staff, I, I would agree, is not nearly as strong as the Sean McVay, Wade Phillips dynamic. Like that's one of the best dynamics in football right now. But this Jared Goff stuff, like I I just, Phillip Rivers was so good against the Cowboys. Like what he did was very mean in that game, but I love Bosa and Ingram on the edge. Casey Hayward is so freaking good. And what he did to Dez in that game was great. And they're doing all this with like Melvin Gordon quietly struggling the last couple weeks, which actually makes me think that they're in better shape than they were early on is the fact that they're finding ways to win and really excel in offense by just Keenan Allen being a freak of nature and Hunter Henry uh, waking up from his slumber to have a nice game Thursday. But 
I I think this Chargers team has just figured it out. I think they just have this rhythm that I, they're healthy and knock on wood, they're really healthy right now when it seems like everybody else is turning the other way. I I don't know. I think this Charger team is really scary. Like outside of the Patriots and the uh the Steelers, I think they're like the third best team in the AFC. And I don't know if we're like we're the Rams in the NFC, but I will say they're both really good, but I still think the Chargers as a whole is a better team right now. I don't think they can beat either of those teams, though. Uh, the AFC is just two teams everybody else right now. You don't think the Chargers can beat New England? Because I definitely it, think they can. They they lost them already. This they did. And do you know how hard it is to beat the same team twice? Very difficult. I don't. They're not. I don't and if we know anything about Anthony Lynn, he's all about adjustments. <laughs> I do. We know that about Anthony I, Lynn. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. Uh, thirty seconds on Herm Edwards taking the Arizona State College job. By the way, oh, the AD there's We're recording his agent. this on a Wednesday night. Oh, is it? Yeah, the AD there's his agent. I did not know that. I'm surprised oh. that we didn't just like pencil it in, like nepotism once he again. He hasn't been coaching in like what at least five years, maybe longer, seven, eight. I think it. Uh, I think we can blame this on the end of Mike and Mike and his appearances on ESPN being limited. Now that he had to make a move, but I have no idea why that cracked me up so much. Just seeing that on Roto World earlier before we started recording, of just that's just the most random hire. But yeah, whatever. I, this is just Herm Edwards back random, in coaching. Th- this is a random thought, but I'm on the Charger site right now, and the brightness on the images uh-huh. of Melvin Gordon and Hunter Henry is, is really strange. Like the images are too bright. <laughs> well, I mean, they. I'm gonna tweet this out. There's a, while char- there's a literal this. Chargers joke. Yeah. Okay. And and see what people think because I feel like the images are too bright. <laughs> All right. I'm probably not the person to ask, but uh, are you colorblind? Yeah. I just heard you take a picture. Yes, I am in a lot of ways, so it's difficult. I, I would not know. So a couple other things though that have kind of changed since we've talked. The Falcons are back. They figured things out. It turns out Julio Jones is really good at football. He graded out 99.9 a Sunday, and uh, that was pretty cool. And the Falcons survived a frisky Bucks team, and they beat the Seahawks two weeks ago. But I will say, Pete Prisco, following that Falcon-Seahawks game, which was a lot of fun and probably the game of the year, again, which, by the way, these two teams have been playing the playoffs every year because it seems like whenever the Falcons and Seahawks play, it just always ends in a nail-biter that's super entertaining because I'm, if you remember last year, it was really close, and the Falcons lost on kind of a ridiculous non-pass interference call on Julio, but they, they these two just always have a lot of fun against each other. But his take was like, see, like, Matt Ryan over Russell Wilson. And I was like, I don't know how you could watch that game and be down on Russell Wilson. I I just, I don't understand that take at all. And I thought it was just kind of silly to go after Wilson because he's been so good this year. And I think he's in the top five for me and my MVP picks. And he was really good in that game. And he's been the guy that has kept this whole team afloat without a running game. I think he's like their, uh, he leads their team in rushing and he's taken a bunch of hits and he's just, He's dealing with no Jermaine Curse who got traded and Jimmy Graham doing whatever he does. Terrible offensive line. Like, I don't know. I don't know if Matt Ryan could survive in the Seahawks situation. I do think about that sometimes. But I I just think that Russell Wilson's awesome. And that game was just so much fun. And 
I, I think the Seahawks and the Falcons are just in this weird, similar situation where they're both looking at like a six seed in the playoffs. And I don't know which one, but there's been this new renewed talk in that the Falcons have a shot at the NFC South. And it, I guess a lot of it's in part because they are playing really well. They're seven and four, but they have a bunch of divisional games left in their schedule. So they really do control their own destiny in that regard. But I just, I didn't take away that saints lost to the, a really good Rams team as like indicative that the saints are not for real, like losing their first game in months. I don't to a really good team should not sway people away from the saints to the best team in this division. Cause I still think they are. And the Falcons are still looking at a wild card spot, but I really, I don't know. I'm not convinced that they make the playoffs because I think you have to win 10 games to get in the playoffs this year in the NFC. And I don't, think that's a guarantee I, I i still think the seahawks have a legitimate shot there but i think it's going to be interesting to see which of those two get that last spot because i think it's gonna be one of them i don't know which one yet that that eagles game is going to be huge it's gonna be fun that's really that's, that's really the one that yeah. i want to watch because i'm not sure who's gonna win that game yeah i i think the eagles are still positioned to go 14 to this season and have I think they're losing their first playoff game. It is November 29th, Wednesday night, and go ahead and book it. I feel like I've said this before, but this team just feels like last year's Cowboys to me. I, I love wins and I love this team, but I think they're gearing up for to they're just gonna lose to somebody. I think that the Packers are interesting though, kind of, depending on when Rodgers comes back, but I think it's gonna be too late. Before the he one save their season. One thing I'll say about Wentz is that he hasn't had to play from behind a lot. It seems he like he's not, played from that's, that's head point. for most of the year, and I do wonder what's going to happen mm-hmm. against a good defense when he has to do like a two minute drive to end the game. He hasn't had that one defining moment yeah. yet that even Dak had a few times last year. Maybe it's this I week. Guess you week. Could say this the, might be the week because that, I think the Seahawks game is going to be close. I think it finally yeah, we it have a good Sunday. Finally, though, we have a good Sunday night game. Knock on wood. Like we, I mean, but it's still not even as good as it could have been because the Seahawks secondary has just been decimated. So Wentz has all the reason to be really good on Sunday night because Chancellor's out for the season. Sherman's obviously out for the season. And it's just like they had to reinsert Byron Maxwell into the rotation. And I don't know. This is just a weird Seahawks team now. And I think it's going to be very high scoring. I don't think it's going to be a slugfest by any means. We'll see. I think that they have some tricks up their sleeve, and uh, Philly's offensive line is playing pretty well, but but Seattle defense still has some weapons that can definitely get after the quarterback, so it'll be a big challenge for Wentz. This is the test part of this season. He's had a pretty easy year up to this point. He has to really step up. Where do you stand on uh, Bruce Arians believing that Blaine Gabbert can be his quarterback in 2018? I it's bullshit. Though that, I, the fact like, that he beat the what ja- do you mean by that? The fact that he beat the Jaguars last week is one of the funniest things I think that could have possibly happened this year. It was a revenge game. It was the funniest thing. It might be the funniest thing that's happened this year, at least in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I mean, Gabbert might be one of the best thirty-two quarterbacks in football right now because there are some really bad ones who are playing. There are several bad ones and two of them played on Monday night. The Texans. Oh my God. I, I just, I hate watching them so much. And a lot of it just has to do with, they were so much fun with Watson and then just 
do a complete 180 like this with Savage is just brutal. Again, you don't have to watch these games. No one's forcing you. I, I like to, I don't know. I like to watch a variety. That's the problem. I like to see a lot of a bunch of different teams. Um, I guess that's the issue. Last thing before we jump into this week's games, whose side are you on with the Akib Tlaib, Michael Crabtree? Oh, I, I, that, I, I'm team Tlaib. Crabtree can't wear the chain the second time after it already got snatched once. And then that he put tape check, on though. it. And he taped it. Yeah. Man, I'm team Tlaib all the way. You don't mess with Akib. That's it. The, I think it's more of the fact that he taped it is a bother bothersome thing to me because like if he really wasn't worried he wouldn't have taped it like i think he should have just if you're gonna wear the chain you gotta you gotta just wear it don't just tape it up that's just signals weakness in a weird way i don't know why he would do that yeah well just don't wear it yeah no actually i'm very here for chains no i like athletes wearing chains when they play football i i i think it might just be the Miami Hurricane situation where they just always look cooler with the chains, but yeah, I'm very pro. Well, chain, so I, I'm pro I'm pro chain in general, but mm-hmm. not against Akib Talib after you already snatched your chain once. I guess Akib Talib. I, I forgot who was listening to talk about this. Like if one of the guys that in the NFL, like a top five guy that you would not want to mess with, and Talib is definitely one of them. But Crabtree, he. uh he has lost several of these, and maybe the third time is the charm. But who do you think is in more disarray, the Raiders or the Broncos? I think that's a, a great question, and I'm going to put the Chiefs in there too. Because I think, I don't think they're the all in disarray. in disarray. Oh, they're, they're falling, though. They're, they are definitely they're in falling. trouble. I just, when was the last like bad Andy Reid? This year. Like, what was like, his worst record? This year. I mean, l- look at the way they're playing right now. They lost to the Giants. This team is out of control. They need to it's stabilize so themselves. And they're the best team for a while. And, and right now they're just, they look bad. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they let Andy Reid go. Just, just because right. he might have lost the locker room. I think, I don't think that's going to happen. But I will say, so his last year in Philly, what would you guess his record was that last year? Uh, I think it was 7-9. Four and twelve. Uh, I didn't even remember so, that. Was that wait? Was that twenty eleven? Twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. So mm-hmm. what? What did Philly do that next year? Who did they draft? Oh, they drafted Lane Johnson. Right. Yeah. It. Uh, so I guess that's something to monitor. Is like out of all those years because. After that first year when he took over in 99, he won 11 games, 11 games, 12 games, 12 games, 13, and then had this weird blip, the 6-10 and 10 blip, and then went 10 games, 8 games, 9 games, 11 games, 10 games, 8 games. And I wonder if we're, this year is going to be one of those blip years where he started out in KC at 11-5, and 5, 9 wins, 11 wins, 12 wins, and right now he's 6-4. and four. What it, This could just be like an 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, year where it's just one of those blip years where it's just a down one and then... They make the transition. But I will say that people are like, well, Pat Mahomes wouldn't solve their problems, which I do agree with, that like Alex Smith has not been a majority of the problem with this team. It's been finishing drives, and I guess if you really want to put that on him, but also Kareem Hunt's fallen off a cliff and has not been heard from in weeks. That's not been great for them, but 
I think it's more of it doesn't really he may Pat Mahomes may not give him the best chance to win this year, but playing him down the stretch would give the Chiefs a better chance of being really good next year. And that that experience, kind of what the 49ers are doing with Jimmy G now, is they're gonna start him the rest of the way and make get him acclimated this with these guys with the scheme and you really only learn through playing and the chiefs are not winning the super bowl with or without alex smith down the stretch i guess is my whole point is like this is not a team that's contending for a super bowl this year so let's go ahead and cancel that out that's not happening that that's done so if you operate on the assumption that this is not a super bowl winning team but it could be a playoff team then what are you doing? Like, why why do you really want to win the NFC West and just get knocked out by like the Titans in the first round or whatever? But I just I don't really understand that line of thinking because I think we can go ahead and X out the Chiefs as Super Bowl contenders this year. And if you believe that, then might as well just play Mahomes down the stretch. And if you lose those games, who cares? Because then you have like five games, six games, whatever, uh, under his belt heading into next year. So it's less of a just a learning curve situation that he's having to deal with going into next year blind. Cause it seems like no matter what Mahomes is going to start, be the starter next year in Kansas city. And if that's the case, and if that's what the front office is thinking, then you might as well put him out there for the rest of these games. Even if I think we can all agree that Alex Smith give Alex Smith gives them the better chance of winning in 2017, but winning is just kind of the subjective thing of like winning a super bowl. Or are you talking about winning just, to enough to get to like nine and seven or like i just think there are varying degrees of winning with this team and you kind of have to be honest with where you could go this year with alex smith and if you don't believe you can get to a super bowl with him or win one then might as well just play mahomes down the stretch i just i don't really get that line of thinking i guess the only thing they have going for them is that their schedule is pretty easy but they could lose to the jets this week nothing can top the lions have you looked at the Lions' schedule by the way look at the detroit Lions' schedule down the stretch if the Detroit Lions sneak into the playoffs, I'm going to be furious. This team is so stupid. They drive me nuts. Like, okay, uh, who do they have next? They have the Ravens this week. They have the Bucks, the Bears, the Bengals, and the Packers. They could easily I, sneak in. So before, I guess before we go on to um, talk about this week's set of games... Brad Hundley is legit. I, no, I'm gonna he's not. Tra- I'm gonna transfer some mean? of my love. I'm gonna transfer some of my love from. Oh my Jacoby god! Is he to Brad Hundley now? My other son. Oh no, no no no! Josh McCown has has earned that role for the rest of the year. By the way, I am no longer in <laughs> contention in my fantasy league. Thank you very much. But um, yeah, Brett Hundley. He that Pittsburgh defense that everyone said was so good. He ripped them apart last week. Could we just admit that he might I mean, not be that bad? Because I don't think he's that bad. I mean, he's bad. He's not that I, bad. I'm with you on the. Br- he's not that I'm bad. I'm with you on the Brissett stuff. I will ride with you on Jacoby Brissett because I think he's actually good, and he should have beaten the Titans this past week. That was another dumb game. The Titans are not good. Spoiler alert. And this. Yeah, they're not. Just facade that they're putting on is so annoying. The AFC is just so garbage now that the Titans might end up sneaking in, but that team sucks and. It just, it's very annoying. I hope Jacoby Brissett gets on with another team. I don't think the Colts are the right team for him, but I think there are other teams that would make sense for him next year. Maybe the Jags or something, but he's good. Uh, but I will not ride for you on Kaiser or Brett Hundley. They are both bad. Rank these quarterbacks. Jacoby, Geno Smith, 
Kaiser and Hunley. Ooh. Uh, I think you actually just did it in order for me. Really? I actually would have you have Geno Smith at two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're underrating Brett Hunley. I don't think he's that bad. Brett Hunley is so bad. He, Brett Hunley did a very good job last week. And he had another good game two weeks before. Just like the Steelers do this though. They play down. I don't understand it. And also their one like biggest weakness is their is their (laughs) secondary. Like you have Stefan to and TJ Watt on the front seven and they're a really good pass rushing team. And then it's their offense. Like their one major weakness is the secondary. So I think that's an area where you can exploit that team but no Hunley did not like I didn't come away Sunday night like oh my god Brent Hunley he might be a thing someone should trade for him this offseason I I think Brent Hunley would be better in Arizona than Blaine Gabbert won't happen but I think that he'd be better I think they would both suck and I I think just putting that on that just posing that question to Cardinals fans was really rude and I think that our Arizona Cardinals fan (laughs) listeners deserve an apology for you even suggesting that they have to pick between Brett Hunley and Blaine Gabbard in 2018 because honestly man that's that's, it's pretty fucked up I'm surprised that uh I'm surprised Arian saved his job because he definitely saved his job Arians is good I just think that him keeping this together like this season could have easily gone off a cliff for them with the rash of injuries that they had losing David Johnson so early in the year their best player they lost their quarterback they have no pass catchers outside of Larry Fitzgerald they have like their tight ends they've not had a tight end since like 2013 and their defense is still really good they still have a top 15 defense and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon they lost Calais Campbell I, I don't know I think he's done a really good job this year and they're like what one game under 500 right, right now they're like what six and seven something like that no this no I like it Bruce Arians has been good and I, I mean I don't think this is totally sustainable but he definitely saved his job so good for him. And he'll get a lot of excuses going into next year. Him and Bill O'Brien, I think, both are going to Bill O'Brien's go into more next interesting year. To me. They're going to go into next year. They're going to keep their jobs, and they're going to need to produce. But they both get injury benefits of the doubt this year, at least in my book. Would you fire Bill O'Brien after this year? No, I would not. Okay, especially after the way they played with Deshaun. I would actually fire him just because I think you can, or I shouldn't say I would. I would say like I could understand the idea of firing him because the rest of the league has now seen Deshaun at, on the NFL stage, and I think there's a lot of coaches that would love to coach Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins at the NFL level. So I think okay. that would be a very enticing job. I think that's just like having Watson – I just think that that you you'd be able to do better than Bill O'Brien potentially. I guess is what I would say. I, I see what you're saying. That you would let it be open to get a better coach. Because I think other jobs, they're like like the Bengals. Who wants that job next year? I I don't really know why you would really want that job with Andy Dalton. But you get an opportunity to coach DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson, and I just and JJ Watt and. Like they just have too much talent. I think that that is such an enticing job. And if you get a top five coach in there and an offensive innovative coach, I, I just 
that would be a really, really good team and a really scary team in the AFC. An AFC that's so wide open outside of the Pats and the Steelers. Like I just, yeah, I think I would explore it. I, I would, I would look into it. Well, see, I do wonder who would be a good fit there to think about that. Yeah, we'll get there. All right. Well, are you ready to jump into this week's games? Let's do it. All right. So first up, somehow Washington's on primetime again. I feel like I've seen a lot of them this year. Uh, we talked about that. But Washington, they are 5-6. and six. They travel to Dallas Thursday night, tomorrow night, to play a desperate Cowboys team. This is a just a dire situation for these teams to stay in the playoff hunt. I don't think either of these teams are really in the playoff hunt, but just to see what's happened to Dallas the last couple weeks is really sad. And I feel like people are really piling on Prescott, which I don't think is completely justifiable because he has been bad and he had that terrible pick in the red zone, but I, their offensive line has fallen off a cliff. No Tyron Smith really hurt them. I think uh, no Zeke obviously really hurts, but I don't think we realize that, the Dallas weaponry at, on the outside is not what it used to be. Like Dez is still pretty solid. I think people have jumped on that too much. He's still like top of the league in targets. He's in the top five, something like that. But he has like nine drops. He like is one of the leaders in drops. He's really struggling in that department. He's not like a super downfield threat, and they don't really have that. Like unless you really want to call like Terrence Williams a downfield threat. Jason Witten's like seventy three years old. I think there is something to be said where Dak has actually done a lot with less this year. And I think that this season is just, it's just a weird year and they come, they've, they've come back down to earth. But uh, the idea that Dak was not amazing the first, I don't know, like eight games of the year is kind of silly. And I think this recency bias with him struggling without Zeke is pretty unfair at the same time. I, I would be absolutely floored if Washington did not win this game. I agree with everything you said. I'm just throwing this out there. In terms of DYAR this year, Terrence Williams is the best Dallas receiver, and he's 33rd in the league. There you go. See? Okay. There we go. There's something. Yeah, Des isn't the same. Des isn't the same. So I agree with you on Dak. I think he's getting a bad rap. Losing Smith really hurt them. That that left tackle, Chaz Green, uh, he he was pretty trash. And I think Washington wins this game too. 43 sacks off him. Yeah. I'm glad that the numbers are bearing that out too. Like if Terrence Williams is their best receiver this year, then you have a pretty dire situation. And I think that they have some replenishing that they have to do this off season. I think Dez is still good. He's just not, he can't be a number one anymore. Dez might not. So Dez is in the bottom seven receivers this year, according to DYAR. The only receivers Hmm. under him, who've had 50 passes or more thrown their way mm-hmm. are John Brown, Amari Cooper, which is interesting. Ricardo yeah. Lewis, Jarvis Landry, Keelan Cole from Jacksonville and Zay Jones from Buffalo. And Zay Jones has been like the worst receiver in football this year. Yeah. He, he's seven enough though. He had a good game last week, but he's been pretty he bad. I think he has 73 drops. Through eleven games for the butt for the seventy three something. Like <laughs> he's been atrocious, but he's a rookie, and maybe he'll get better. And he's and then he's in another situation that's been pretty dire before they traded for Benjamin, who I think is out this week against the Pats. But yeah, so I think we're in agreement. Redskins on Thursday. I'll watch probably all of this game. I'm interested to see this, and I 
I'm like I said, I'm invested in the Kirk Cousins experience, and also I hope Dak bounces back. Yeah, the funny thing is that Bryce Butler might have been the best Dallas receiver this year. Oh God, and he's the one you don't even talk about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, wait. That's, could I, we just pour one out for Chris Thompson? He has such a we good can, year, because... and I feel very sad. Yeah. about him that he's no longer with us. Can we us. just pour one out for all of Washington's weapons? Because they've all been knocked out for the year. Chris Thompson's good, though. I hope he gets another chance and comes back healthy next year. I really do like Chris Thompson. I think he will. He's too important to that offense, and I think they saw just like how valuable he is in the passing game for them. He's he's too good. But Josh Doxson, my dude, stepping up. He had a nice catch and on uh, against the Giants. Like He... Uh, I, I like him. He He's great. I, and I hope he continues to break through because I, I like him a lot. But next up, the game of the week for me. You brought you, th- you said something about the Seahawks-Eagles being potentially the game of the week. I think it's this one. I think it's the 9-2 and two Vikings traveling to the 7-4 and four Falcons. I think we're going to learn a lot about both teams this week. And I think I've gone back and forth all week on this. I'm not convinced that the Falcons last couple weeks is who they really are. I think they've played a lot better. Sark has figured out a lot with this team and figuring out these pieces. And it turns out it takes time to figure out new personnel and to get on the same page with these guys. But I will say, I think I like the Falcons in a very, very close one, but I don't feel feel great about it. So it's been two weeks now. Now, since we last spoke, would you still mm-hmm. bench Case Keenum? No, I agree. Case Keenum, yeah, I think he's he's been great. I think we need to pump the brakes on like, do you what kind of contract do you give Keenum next year for the Vikings? Because I'm not there, but I will say like, because I think it defeats the whole purpose of the Case Keenum idea, which is we really lucked out when the rest of the league is just star for quarterbacks, and they've had to try and go to different guys like the Broncos have started 36 I believe quarterbacks this year and they're three and eight and then you have the Vikings over here just inserting Case Keenum who was just abysmal leading one of the worst offenses in recent memory with Jeff Fisher and the Rams last year and he's a steal like his contract is just he's the Vikings are paying him pennies to guide them to nine wins already this year however that doesn't mean you give Case Keenum a good contract that's not what that means it means that, like, you you just said, uh, if I'm the Vikings, if I'm Rick Spielman after this year, I'm saying, thank you, Keenum. I appreciate it. Go see what you can get on the market. Because I don't think he's going to get a big deal on the mar- open market. I, I don't think teams are going to con themselves. Simply. I think he's in a really good system. I think Pat Shermer do- is probably, like, coordinator of the year for doing this with Keenum and no Dalvin Cook and turning Adam Thielen into this top five receiver and Stefan Diggs being awesome, Kyle Rudolph coming together. Like, I still love Teddy, but you can't put in Teddy this year. But that doesn't mean I'm not trying everything in my power to put in Teddy next year. Because ultimately, he's so, your first-round pick. And, yeah. I need a little bit of help reading the salary cap is working right now for the Minnesota Vikings quarterbacks. Because what I'm seeing is that they have $22.5 million on the books for this year and zero for next year. Uh-huh. Yes. I believe that means that all of their quarterbacks are free agents. Yes. I, I I honestly, I don't know if I would play Teddy at this point just because I don't think you're, I think a team's going to get for Keenum. 
Because the way that he's played this year, if you're if you are a Denver or if you're in Arizona, or maybe even if you're a Houston, I could see Houston if, if they're a little bit wary of Deshaun poning up a little bit of money and bringing Keenan back home. And <laughs> I'm I'm just throwing it out there. You get give Teddy more time to heal because I I don't think this team is rolls here with either of those guys at quarterback. If I'm being completely honest, I just well, think we they're so little. We just have away. no idea. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Um. One thing I do want to call out though is that in two career games against Xavier Rhodes, Julio Jones has four catches for 45 yards. Ooh. So I actually. If 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 the Falcons are going to beat the Vikings, I think it needs to be more than Julio. I'm not sure they have that right now. I think the Vikings are going to win. Ooh, interesting. I I would not be surprised. I I think this would be a gigantic win for the Vikings if they go into Atlanta and beat this team because this is not the same Atlanta team from the first couple of weeks. I don't think Freeman's playing, but he like got out of concussion protocol, so maybe he could play. I, yeah, I'm not, not sure either. I, I thought he was out for a little while. But but he's practicing. He's out of protocol, so I don't know if that what that means. I don't know if that means he can play this. I, I don't know if he – I'm not certain what's going on there. But you have Mohamed Sanu, who is 6-for-6 six six as a quarterback in his career. So if Matt Ryan is getting beat up by, uh, by Anthony Barr and friends, then uh, they can just put in Sanu for some trickery and he can score a touchdown or something. Yeah, I just don't know if the Atlanta defense is that good. And um, the- they've played a lot better. And this is the big thing. So you point bring that up. Marcus Trufant's probably not playing in this game. Desmond Trufant is a problem. A Desmond Trufant, yeah. Mark, shout out to Marcus Trufant of the Seahawks for the last uh, the last ten years. But uh, Desmond Trufant is probably their best defender. And I think his absence, and that was part of the reason the Bucks had so much success last week when he got uh, was out. So they, they, I don't think Brian Poole's playing. He has a bad injury, so the Falcons are down to like two corners, and uh, I think that's a problem. So I think Case Keenum has all the reason to just have a to just go off with Thielen and Diggs in this game because the Falcons are going to have to blitz a ton, and they're going to have to rely on Claiborne and friends getting to the quarterback and Grady Jarrett making big plays and stuff like that. Tack McKinley hitting Keenum as much as he can. Like I just, I think. That's a huge problem not having Trufant in this game because the Vikings receiving core is really, really good. And that scares me. So I don't know. I think this could go a lot of different ways, but the matchups do not favor the Falcons on the edge. But at the same time, it's in Atlanta. And that's part of it with me. Is but then again, the Falcons lost to the Dolphins at home, which may be the worst loss of the year, I think, losing to this Dolphins team at home in just inexplicable fashion. But yeah. I have a trivia question for you, and this will segue into our into our next game too. Okay. Fantasy football trivia question, actually. So hopefully you know the answer. Who are uh-huh. the three teams in the NFL that have two wide receivers currently in the top twenty-five of PPR fantasy points? Ooh. Well, you uh, it's definitely the Lions. I'm surprised you got that one first. Well, I just I I know Marvin Jones and and Golden Tate, yeah. I, those two have just they're too important to that team. Uh next uh, had you said 3, right? Yep. 
PR. All right, let me think. Dolphins? That was the hardest one. I- I'm very impressed now. Yes. Can you name the players, though? All right. Uh, Jarvis Landry is definitely one. And then number two would be Devontae Parker. No, Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills. Shit. All right. And then three, I'm going to go. This is tough. I want to go three for three. So bad. Uh, It's the easiest one. Oh, it's the easiest one. Yeah. Steelers? Oh, no, it's the Vikings. Yes. Oh, no, Vikings. Oh, I forgot about it. It was a segue. It was the old game to the new game. And you got the new game, but not the old one. Um, the new one was Ravens Lions, but yeah, Thielen um, and Diggs, and uh, Marvin Diggs Jones and Golden I, Tate. Okay, I didn't think that Thiel, uh, that uh, Diggs would be in it. I didn't think he'd caught it up. Like he's to be fair, a good year, but I Pittsburgh think was, was a good guess. Pittsburgh was a good guess, but I, I think they're close. But it was those three. But Lions Ravens, right. I think the I'll Lions win three. this game. I think the Lions win this I game, even on the road, even in Baltimore. I don't think the team's that bad. Um, I love what they did against the Vikings. They came pretty close. I think, although... They weren't that close. It is sad for me to say. It is sad for me to say. I kind of don't think Amir Abdul is a thing anymore, which makes me upset. But theoretically, he's out there, right? a thing. Yeah, in gen- yeah, yeah, but in general. I, I, th- I just think in general, from what I saw, I'm, I've always been a he's huge a fan of his. He hasn't been what I wanted him to be. Theoretic's been everything I wanted him to be, though. And, and that's been pretty fun to see. And this Lions team seems perpetually stuck in the same place, but I think that they're they're good enough to beat the Ravens. Joe, I like Joe Flacco might be I the agree. worst quarterback in football. It's absurd. It's getting to the point where it's just... I We can't talk about the Kaepernick stuff enough, but like the fact that he... This Ravens team would be so much more interesting if he was their quarterback. Can we talk about how if the Ravens had a worse schedule, I, I, or a harder schedule, because their schedule's been pretty easy this year. I think that yeah. Harbaugh could be in danger of being fired. I don't think so. I think their defense is too good, and just, I, I don't... I think they're making the playoffs, so I don't think he's getting fired. I think they're one of the wild. Oh no, he's teams, definitely so not getting fired not. this year. But I think if their yeah. schedule is a bit harder, I mean they're so loyal to this. And then I don't want to be too mean on Eli just because like I feel bad. He also for won a him. Super Bowl. I think you get like ten years if you won the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if you keep Mike McCarthy right now in Green Bay. I think McCarthy. I keep until Rodgers is gone. I, I was listening to someone, I think it may have been Daniel Jeremiah, like shout out to the Move the Sticks podcast, which I love every week, him and Bucky. It's just, it's really good and you get a lot from it. But I think they were talking about uh, the what's going on with Green Bay and stuff. And it's just like, I don't think you can move on at this point. Rodgers is too old. Uh, also, wait, who was Denver's head coach when they won the Super Bowl? Kubiak? Who no. Was, yes. It was Kubiak. Yeah, because they fired Fox the year before, and they went back, and then they won. They beat the Panthers. So they should have just kept Kubiak. Wait, what? So they should have just kept Kubiak. They never should have uh, fired him. They didn't fire him. He retired for health reasons. Oh, right. Duh. All right. Ignore <laughs> me. I- I'm losing my mind. <laughs> 
trust me, John L.A. would, would I think, if he, he would love to have Gary Kubiak as his head coach right now. I don't think the Vance Joseph experience is going very well. All right, well, yeah. that, that was my, it's been a few weeks. That was my one bad moment. Let, let's move on. We're shaking off the rest, man. You're good. We're shaking, We're shaking off, off, off the, the rest. rest. Shaking off the rest. All right, well, let's jump into a team that I think you're very familiar with. The 9-2 and two Pats. They figured everything out. They're fine. They travel to a Bills team oh, oh. that really hates Tyrod Taylor. Okay, so. And I don't th- understand it. Can we talk about how stupid that was? This, I believe, we did it not was... talk about. <laughs> we did not, because it happened when we were not. When we were Nate Peterman. Nate Peterman threw more interceptions in 15 minutes than Tom Brady had thrown all year. Two years, actually. He's Tom Brady had not thrown five picks in two years. Might be the worst decision a coach for a playoff team, a team that was en route, had a very, very easy route to the playoffs. Still might make the playoffs, by the way. But uh, I have a theory. I don't think, I don't think... it was a McDermott call. I think he is so tied to this front office and ownership that they wanted to see what they had in Peterman. Because I don't think they have any intention in keeping Tyrod after this year that they wanted to see him, and he was he just obliged. That would be my bet. I could see that, but, man, whoever's decision that was should have been fired. This team, I mean, I, I think that that was an inflection point for them. And they did. They also win don't last want to be week. good, and I, they're in a weird position because I don't think they had any. They keep trading their good players, Marcel Darius, and then they, like, I just, I don't think they want to be good this year. I, I just don't get it. This quarterback class isn't even that good. It's yeah. not a good quarterback class. I mean, there's I some can see. Depth, I want Lamar Jackson. To you're end not up getting there. Lamar. With he's Rick not going to team. get Lamar yeah. away from Buffalo. Put Lamar in a warm place where he can actually be fun. I, I don't want Lamar. He'd be fun in Buffalo. Tyrod's been fun in Buffalo. Why can't he be fun? Though? Tyrod. No one wants to live in Buffalo. Um, <laughs> that, that's my. Th- we might have Buffalo uh, listeners. That. What are you doing? Unbelievable, Ethan. Well, no, I've, ta- Ethan also, I've, actually, right no, I've talked about my theory about Buffalo before on my old podcast that you to host myself, uh-huh. where I think that Rex Ryan was the perfect coach for Buffalo because when you're in Buffalo, all you can do all day is like drink or just get or, or just play football. Like that's mm-hmm. all the football players can do all day. They need a gung ho guy who can harness all of their bored energy and get them to actually like. <laughs> play football and and like get hyped up for stuff. But like at the same time, the Chargers game, if they win that game, which I think they win with Tyrod, even though it's on the road, they end up seven and four and they have the Patriots, Colts, Dolphins, Patriots, Dolphins to end the year. That team could totally go 10 and six. And now, yeah, I mean, the best that I think they're going to go is nine and seven. And that Colts game isn't a gimme. Dolphins, Dolphins might be really bad, but I the think Dolphins, they lose no, this game. Not, to the there's Patriots, no might. By the, way. the Dolphins are bad. The they are bad, and yeah, the Pats are. Yeah, winning. the only the only thing that the Bills had going for them in this game is that they can rush the passer, but at the same time, like they lost their interior defense, they can't stop the run anymore. Yeah, and the Patriots are going to run down their throats. I think this could be a big Rex Burkhead game. I think Gillisley might like come it. back too. What if Gillisley gets his revenge against his old team? It's not a bad He's pick. He's been out the past really couple of weeks, right but 
Deion Lewis is back Lewis being a thing great. for the Pets. Yeah, yeah, you're right I, about that. But I, the it Pats would be, are getting scary again. Yeah, no, they they're peaking at the right time. I mean, they they've been dominant the past couple of weeks. They really only have one. That's Steelers. Yeah. Next up, a game nobody will be watching: the one in ten Niners with Jimmy G versus the Chicago Bears, three and eight. I have the Bears winning this, but it would not surprise me if the 49ers won this. I want Jimmy G and the Shanahan's to win, but I don't think they want to win any games this year. I agree. I think they want a top three big. But I think the Niners win. I agree, but I think the Niners win. I don't. I, the Bears are – that team's a mess. They're definitely cleaning I, house. They're, like, there's no way me. John I Fox like, fire. It stays – yeah. Trubisky's weird to me. I, they're not letting him play, and they have no weapons for him. Their, their leading receiver right now is Tariq Cobb. And he, he blow weeks. They won a game with the, like no receivers caught a pass. They won stretched, a football game. Yeah. yeah. The Niners, I, it would not surprise me if they won this game, but I still am convinced that they actually don't want to win. Keep playing hard. I think they're Yeah, I don't know. Next up. Also, that game Packers. is more watchable to me than the Washington-Dallas game. No way. Have you watched the Bears this year? They are not watchable. The Niners are watchable. The Niners are very watchable. You don't have to sell me on Shanahan. As Shanahan, no, like we can't go back down that rabbit hole. But yeah, Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan is very watchable, I would agree. Next up, a rivalry that used to be a thing growing up, the Packers and the Bucks. Both teams on the outside looking in. I think we can go ahead and write off the Bucks as a playoff team. Fitzpatrick, I think, is starting again here. It's the Fitzpatrick. No, James is going to start. Like, oh, James, James is, is back. Okay, hey, James is back. Okay. All right. Well, James is back, and I have the Bucks here, but it would not surprise me if the Packers got their first Hunley win in this game. They already had a Hunley win. Did they? Yeah. No. Who? Um. A few weeks ago, let me just double check their schedule. But they definitely—I think they win this game. By the way, you think the Packers win? Yeah, I think the Packers win. No, he had—he doesn't have a win. The Packers have lost every game since the Cowboys game. Wait, they lost minute. to the Vikings, the Saints, the Lions. Oh no, they beat the Bears. He did. Yeah, they beat win. the Bears. Yeah, I forgot about the Bears game. They did get a win. Okay, well, I, I knew I wasn't. Going I forgot crazy. about that. <laughs> I forgot about the Bears game. They, okay, so he's one and four. Uh, great. Yeah. Maybe here's the, here's the thing about. Actually, I'm changing my pick. I'm changing my pick. I have the Packers winning. You here's the thing about the Brett Packers. Hundley. Like, that Ravens game was a fluke. They have a really good defense, and he made some bad plays. Young quarterback. Honestly, Brissett made the similar plays, and we gave him a lot of slack. I think Brett deserves the same thing. And to end the year, he has the Bucks at the Browns, which, if at the Browns ends up being the first Browns win, I will laugh so hard. That would be the funniest thing, but I don't think that, I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs because after that they have at Carolina the Vikings and at Detroit. But these two games could be huge for Hamley's future because if you're going to trade him, he needs to show out in these two games, and I think he will. I think he's going to beat the Bucks, and I think he'll have a pretty good day in fantasy perspective. 
If you're starting Brett Hundley at this point in the season, fantasy, <laughs> you need to you, like you you have bigger problems. So great. Next up, the Jags coming off a insane loss to the Cardinals a week ago. Seven and four, they play the feisty Jacoby Brissett's. who are three and eight right now. Jags and my lock of the week, the Jags moved to eight and four. Lock it up. I agree. Uh, not as lock of the week, right. but I think the Jaguars are going to win. Uh, if they All lose right. this game, it will be the most Jaguars thing to ever happen. If they lose this game, I'm canceling the Jaguars season. If they lose to the Cardinals with Blaine Gabbert and then the, this Colts team back-to-back, they don't deserve to win this division. So, they're, uh, yeah, I think they have to win this. Next up, the most unwatchable game of the week, Denver traveling to Miami. I think Trevor Simeon is starting this game for the Broncos. And Jay Cutler is still starting games for the Dolphins. I have the Dolphins here, and I don't feel great about it. Denver might be the second worst team in the league. I'm going to they, go with the Dolphins. They're just spiraling. I, I think spiraling. the Dolphins are the best Denver team, but their defense is bad. Really, really, really bad. And it turns out firing Mike McCoy did not solve their problems. And Paxton Lynch... Still not good at football. Yeah, Paxton Lynch is the case of, at least when I evaluated him, I had a first-round grade on him, but I specifically said he needed like two years, and this quarterback class was just bad, so he was going to get elevated, and uh, he got... So was he like the Bruno Caboclo yeah, of he's, the NFL? Yeah, he's four he's years like away. Two years from away from being two years away. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, uh, he's not good. I had like a early second, late first on him, and he, I mean, clearly... <laughs> First of all, he's not getting any help from his offensive coordinator even before the firing. But at the same time, um, Goff and Wentz were both quite a bit better at this point in time. Awful. Next up, the Jets versus a desperate Chiefs team. This is this really hurts me. But I have the Jets here. I'm, I'm really tempted. I'm really worried about this Chiefs team. I, I think this I think is a... it just seems like they're spiraling. And I just I wonder if at one point Smith just implodes. I'm waiting for the Alex Smith implodes game. And this could be it. The thing is the Casey this is a Daryl Rivas revenge game. That's mm. the thing. He's on the Chiefs now. That was a random signing, by the way, Darrell Rivas. Like, wait, is he playing this week? Because he didn't play last week. I, he might be. I hope he is. I hope he gets his vengeance. Um, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs just because they're a better team and they should win this game. But it wouldn't shock me if the Jets pull off an upset. I also think Robbie Anderson should be in the Pro Bowl. So uh, anyone complaining so about Chad that, Johnson, who called it, by the way, did you see he tweeted that out that he like had this? Uh, August tweet about like the Jets are gonna be fine because Robbie Anderson exists. He's good. No, he's he's really good. So yeah, and, all, and um, there's a I'm gonna plug my friend. Um, there have been some stories written about uh the Jets' offensive coordinator John Morton. He is a mm-hmm. really really good offensive coordinator. That's a fun t- that legitimately, as someone who has watched a little bit too much Jets football this year, um, that's a fun team to watch on offense. If they had good players, it would be really fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they'll get them in the next couple of years. They have another interesting offseason ahead of them, what they do with Bulls and that coaching stuff. But next up, the Texans travel to Tennessee. 
I hate that this Tennessee team's gonna be eight and four after this week. They're the worst eight and four team I can remember. It it's just it's a complete facade. I hate it so much, but I don't see any way they lose at home to the Texans. Um Yeah, this is I'm gonna go with the Titans. I don't have a lock this week. <laughs> All these games are locks. Um yeah, I think <laughs> I mean Mariota quietly. You have to have a lock. You I don't have think to have a lock. I'll I'll have to retroactively make a lock then because I'm okay. looking at the games ahead and I'm not sure which one I'm going to pick. Um in actually no, I'll, I'll wait. But the thing with Mariota, people are giving him a lot of criticism this year. I think honestly he's had one really bad game and otherwise he's been pretty much the same he's been in his entire career. Yeah. So I'm not overly agree. worried about him. I think they'll win this game. I think that they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think they'll make it any further. And you, know, you might have been right about the fact that uh, he, he might need to get rid of um, their coach because yeah. he might be really bad. And Brian Nerbisky is a terrible offensive coordinator. Just awful. So, yeah, great. Next up, the Chargers. We talked about them hosting the Browns. I swear to God, if the Chargers lose to the Browns in back-to-back years, I just... Uh, it's it's right there for the Chargers to just take get a stranglehold on the AFC West this after this week and yeah I have the Chargers and a blowout and I think they'll be fine. Would not shock me if they lose this game, but I do have the Chargers. Oh my god! Okay. Kaiser hasn't been no, that this, bad. This has to end. Please, stop. okay, we're not doing this. We're not doing. No, nope. he's been getting nope, better. Nope, you're not sucking me back in. You're not sucking me back in. No, you're not doing it. No. The only redeeming thing about the Browns is their defense has actually been a lot better than I, I think people expected this year. And Greg Williams might be okay. Might be a young quarterback. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, the Saints at home against the Panthers. This is my second. Like, I wanted to lock this up, but I'm not going to do it just because they're both good teams. But the Saints are winning this game. Just go ahead. Like, it's going to be a fun game. I think this is a bad cam game that we're going to see here. Like Lattimore should be back, and I think that this defense is going to feast and get a lot of turnovers on this Panthers team. And I think the Saints win convincingly and rebounding to get to nine and three. People really overreacted to that loss to the Rams last. Yeah, week. they lost to two good teams. I think they'll be fine. Um, the best receiver in football, according to DVOA, this year is Ted Ginn. Oh, great. This is a Ted Ginn revenge game. I think that the Saints win. I think Ginn has two touchdowns. How many times has he been on these teams, by the way? At least he's twice. He's been on the Panthers and the Saints twice. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I think this. I think that Ted Ginn is going to play a really big role, and the Saints will win. Great. <laughs> Ted Ginn. Cardinals hosting the Rams, 8-3 and three Rams. This, I've actually gone back and forth. Could the Cardinals beat the Jags and the Rams back-to-back weeks with Blaine Gabbert? I'm going to say no. I think the Rams are winning this game. But like you say, you wouldn't be surprised if the Browns beat the Chargers. I would not be surprised if the Charger, I mean, the Cardinals beat the Rams here. But the Rams are riding high. They beat a really good Saints team a week ago. They're on the road in Arizona. Arizona's defense is good. I could see it. But I don't think they are actually going to lose this game. So I have the Rams. They are played once this year and lost thirty-three to nothing. It's true. So I think that but the they Rams didn't have Blaine Gabbert under center. I think the Rams they are didn't have win. the difference maker. I don't think it'll be close. 
That's my new nickname for Blaine Gabbert, the difference maker. Oakland, this actually, you know, this will be my six. lock of the week. I think the Rams. I think that's my lock of the week. The Rams over the Cardinals. Ooh, I think that's risky. I like it. That's very, very risky. Okay. Um. Not, wow. Next up, Giants coming off a just morose situation with Eli Manning. They travel to Oakland, a team that's riding high after beating a great Broncos team. I have the Raiders, but. I know you've said top of the podcast that you have the Giants here. Are you actually going to stick with that? Yeah, Raiders? my upset of the week. I'm going to go with the Giants. This is a nobody believes in this game. The Raiders' pass defense is really bad. And I think Geno Smith is going to make some plays happen against this Raiders defense. The football gods are you. not allowing the Giants to win this game. They do not deserve to win this, this game. Nobody this believes. Eli Manning benching. Oh, so you know how like in the first week of the season we saw Tampa, or second week I guess because of the uh, – Hurricane Tampa Bay like destroyed Chicago forty to nothing because no one knew what they were going to mm. do. That's going to happen here with the Giants. And the Raiders. The Raiders are bad. They are bad. Great. And the Giants are going to take advantage. All right. <laughs> All right. Everyone Next in that up. locker room like, has a chip on their shoulder. It's it's going to happen. Talk yourself into it all you want. I'm not going there with. I haven't you. heard I'm not going on the Giants yet. with Gino. Did I not have an upset yet? All right, I got to think about it. Oh, I might actually have one. These next two actually might be upsets because I have the Seahawks beating the Eagles on Sunday night at home. I have this being a big win for the Seahawks. They would go to eight and four because I'm a little worried. I think their season's on the line here because seven and five, I think is too much for them to overcome to get that last spot because I think, like I said, you have to get 10 wins, and then it only give them one more loss in their schedule. And their schedule's tough, and I don't think they can survive with just one more loss at their disposal uh, for the rest of the way. So I have the Seahawks beating the Eagles here. I think we're going to get some pressure wins, and that's going to rattle them a bit. And I, I think Russ can make plays on this defense, so I'm going to go with the Seahawks as well. The one thing that Philly has going for them is Seahawks had some issues covering Finans this year and I can see Zachary making some plays, but I think the Seahawks at home, I don't think Wentz has been in a situation like this before. Uh, I think Seattle is going to impose their will a bit. I like it. We're on the same page. And then, another upset. Bengals at home. Burfitt is going to be looking to make a splash i have the Bengals getting to 500 against the steelers at home steelers play down their competition i think this is gonna be an ugly game and i think this is like the first big andy dalton win of the year and i think joe mixon has a huge day and aj green probably has a nice night i i i just think this has all the makings of a Bengals upset on monday can't dis- i i disagree i think pittsburgh okay. is going away cincinnati can't protect the quarterback their offensive line is a shambles. It is. I don't. I would agree. And, and I think that Pittsburgh's defense is going to step it up a little bit. I'm not as high on Joe Mixon as you are. I think that the Steelers are going to find. He was really good last week. The win. I I don't know. Right. I mean, against Cleveland, yeah. A lot of people are good against yeah. Cleveland. Okay. I guess. But yeah, inside the Bengals. All right. Well, that does it for this week's games. I think we uh, we got the we shook the rust off a little bit. I think uh, we're finding our groove again. Yeah, getting film stretch. Yes. Um, all right, man. Will you have anything to plug before we get out of here today? 
Nope. Early. All right. Keep you back. Well, either way, yes, and I appreciate it. And we can find you on Twitter at Ethan Ham, and uh, we will talk again next week, man. And uh, yeah, so thank you. And now let's jump in to the last guest of the night. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Thanks. All right, on the line now, Eric Thompson, after a couple weeks away, one week away, I don't know, I was sick, I was delirious, we couldn't record when we needed to record, but guess what, the Vikings won again, so it's still a positive experience having you back on the podcast, you don't have to come on reeling from a Vikings loss, but you've only had to experience that twice at this point this year. Yeah, it has been a surprisingly good season, and it's Especially a surprisingly great stretch with seven in a row. And it actually almost fits a little better that we're talking this week because there's a kind of a big game between uh, my team and, there is a, good and a team <laughs> from the, the city you reside in, I believe, uh, on Sunday. That is correct. Mm-hmm. It did work out that way. Maybe that's... See, man, we found a, a deeper meaning into uh, abscesses on, uh, on my throat. So there you go. Everything happens for It was reason. serendipitous sickness, right? <laughs> Right. So you said something, though, that was not 100% true. What did I, because I distinctly remember us having a conversation early, a couple months ago, where I said the Vikings were my pick to win the NFC North this year. I was still pretty high on the Vikings. I thought that this defense was going to be top 10 in DVOA. I thought this offense with a full year of Shermer was going to be good. I loved the Dalvin Cook pick. But I cannot take credit for the Adam Thielen actually turning into a top five receiver. That I will not pretend to see coming. And uh, they're there. I, I, I feel really good. I think the I think the Vikings are going to win the NFC North this year. So I was a believer, Vikings Nation, very early on in this process. Yes, you were. And, um, well, of course, no one really predicted the Case Keenum career renaissance coming either because he was going into the season probably the third option on the roster and all of a sudden he was thrust into the starting role and as much as it seems like Mike Zimmer would like his guy Teddy Bridgewater back in the lineup it's it's just impossible for him to change it up so yeah I mean but I mean you hit a lot more than even I did I thought this was going to be kind of one of the, another one of those eight and eight nine and seven seasons I think another big part of the um the Viking I think the biggest pro- probably part of the turnaround is how well the offensive line has performed. I mean, just the yeah. this, the turnaround from being one of the absolute worst offensive lines to being, I mean, I I was just, I was praying for average to slightly below average. I thought that was kind of the ceiling for this offensive line. And they've been when, one of the best units uh, in the league. And it's just an amazing turnaround just with how, with all the new personnel that they have uh, and just a little bit of uh, better injury luck, just how much better this offense is under Pat Sherman now that the quarterback generally has a little bit of time to make his progressions and throw the ball. Yeah, it's. I think they deserve a lot of... I think Zimmer has to get, be my favorite for coach of the year because I don't think a lot of coaches could have rebounded with Case Keenum, like just seeing what they did last year in Los Angeles. And I think this is going to be such an interesting question for the Vikings this offseason. Like, not many situations are as bizarre as the Vikings quarterback situation next offseason because uh, the Bradford injury. I, I, I'm convinced we're never going to see Bradford on an NFL field again. 
I think that's done. And I was uh, on the pod a couple weeks ago. I remember I posed the question to Ethan of like, who is dishing out more BS about their quarterback, the Indianapolis Colts or the Minnesota Vikings? Because I was convinced that Luck and Bradford's injuries were way worse than they were letting on. And just the quotes and just the way they were talking about them and just the way they were describing Bradford's knee of just like, I, I equated it to what Louis CK's joke was about like getting old with a bad ankle where they just are like, Oh yeah, that's just shitty now. <laughs> and I think that's how it is with Bradford's knee is it's like, it's just a bad knee. And it's like, there's nothing you can do other than like, just do the Kobe thing and go to Germany and get some uh, platelets. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I just don't think we're going to see him again. I think it's just bad. And just, it was so pitiful to watch him try and play on it a couple weeks ago. And it just did not go well at all, obviously. And that was it. And I think that was – it would not surprise me if that's the last time we saw Bradford on an NFL field. Yeah, I mean, it's – I really don't think it was worse. At least at first, the Vikings thought it was any worse than they were letting on. Because from everything that I've heard and, you know, everything they've said publicly, of course, they'll be a little – they'll err on the side of caution and press conferences and everything. But everything I had heard from, you know, people behind the scenes was like, well – there's nothing structurally wrong, so you know he'll be back in a week or two, and it just never got better. And I think that is that's yeah. kind of touching on the part of where, you know there's nothing where you know they can't uh, you know they went in and I think scoped it a little bit again, but it did, in hopes of cleaning things up. But it just seems like one of those things where it's you know that that knee has been surgically repaired, reconstructed twice, and now this whatever happened, you know, and it really was, it must have been a non-contact thing. I don't know what it is with Vikings and non-contact knee injuries with their quarterbacks, but it definitely wasn't a huge hit or anything <laughs> he took on those plays. So it's just, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, it's it's sore and it's swelling. And then every time he tried to get back there, um, you know, of course he saw it come to fruition in the Bears game, which is just terrible to watch. But the, just every time he went out and tried to test out the knee, it would get worse. So it's, yeah. I, but if he can get medically cleared, I still think there's money for him to be made, as crazy as that sounds. But it just doesn't seem like he's anywhere close to that right now. Who knows what it'll be in about six months. But, yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be too shocked to, to never see him play because if, if that knee just isn't getting any better and there's nothing technically wrong with it, I think that's kind of the worst-case scenario for him. It's just... The Vikings, though, the Bradford stuff is not their only huge decision. Keenum has been a gigantic bargain for them. And Rick Spielman has to make a big decision. It's like, do I pay him? Like, you know they have to pick somebody. And I think we were talking about it. Like, before the season, we were t- joking, like, they're going to have to make the decision on either Teddy or Bradford. They're not going to pick both. They're not going to either give Bradford a big long-term extension or and also pick up Teddy's option. But also... That's not what's happened because Case Keenum's been really good for them. And they have to decide, do we also now want to re-sign him and Bridgewater? Or do we just still want to let go of Teddy? And you mentioned that Teddy is Zimmer's guy. And I just, there's so much emotional history there. And just his resurgence and everything else. And that just seems like something that Vikings fans, I think, would want to see. Is to see Teddy finally get back on the field after such a traumatic, crazy injury. And I just... I think that'd be such a great sports moment mm-hmm. of this like decade to see Teddy under center again. I just think that moment is just going to be insane to see him back and just 
the mental hurdles that he's having to clear because I'm sure like like that's just coming up from like a torn Achilles is tough and stuff like that but like with what Bridgewater is gonna have to come back from mentally like he's looks like he's past the physical stuff but just like trusting that knee again and just throwing that first pass and just I think we all want to see it and it's not fair to Keenum and that's why I think the season's so interesting it's like you as a from a football standpoint you just can't pull Keenum he's just been too good right. and I just think that you could lose the locker room but that doesn't mean that I would pay Keenum this offseason and then let Bridgewater go because I, I, I'm still in the camp of I'd probably let Keenum explore the market because I'm not convinced that he would get a lot from a lot of teams and I think you could potentially still bring him back on a cheap deal while also re-signing Bridgewater so I, I don't know I think if I'm Spielman that's where I'm leading is bringing them both back but also seeing what Keenum does because the worst thing you can do is overpay Keenum and then everything goes sour next year yeah. and then be stuck with a bad Keenum contract so I, it's it's a very very crazy situation and I don't think any of us could have foreseen this quarterback situation somehow getting weirder yeah i mean it's, <laughs> and it has yeah it's just crazy to think that all this quarterback talk with a nine and two team you, you see every other team that yeah. has uh even close to as good a record as the vikings has someone absolutely cemented in at that position and i have to agree with just about everything you said it's just the i think keenum should test the market i think he's earned himself at least um a, a large pay bump from the two million dollars he's making for his uh troubles this year but yeah it's it's it'll be kind of interesting i think a lot of it will have to do with how keenan finishes down the stretch because this is i still kind of get the feeling from a lot of places that this is still kind of lightning in a bottle with Keenum, just from his body of work but if he can take the viking somehow in a deep playoff run and play as well as he has especially over the last few weeks i thought at first at the beginning of this win streak the Vikings were winning because of their defense and because of their weapons that Keenum was throwing to. But these last few games, Keenum has, I mean, he's been a very legitimate part. He's been playing, I think, since those two really bad throws in the Redskins game a few weeks back, he has played just lights out. You can't really ask for um, much better pocket presence and uh, decision-making. Again, he's he's not going to be able to make every single throw you'd want of an elite NFL quarterback, but he's playing within the system so well and uh, he just he has the confidence of his team. So, but yeah, I mean, right now it's just Teddy is such an unknown because it sounds like from everything we're hearing that yes he's physically back, but if he has to if he plays any different if it, if his mentality and again I think Bridgewater it, he's always had that right mindset since the day he got hurt he's always said and done the right things, but it is one of those things where if he even hesitates a little bit because. He wasn't a running quarterback by any means, but just the fact that he could always buy time and shift around in the pocket, that was really one of his strengths. If he doubts himself or doubts his that uh, knee of his at all, that really takes back a lot of the potential that he has to be a, a franchise quarterback. So yeah, um, long story short, there are way more questions than answers at the position, but I think as of right now, uh, Vikings fans are very happy with riding the Keenum wave to see how far it takes us. So I've been messing with the NFL play, playoff machine, which is one of my favorite oh, things. Oh, it's the best. But I've got some bad news. Everything, I, Every time I play with it, I end up with the Vikings still getting a first-round bye, which is good. Yeah. However, 
I think they're getting the Saints in their first playoff game, and I am not picking the Vikings to beat the Saints in the playoff game. I don't think they can beat this team twice in the same year. Oh, that's this is that would be just poetry to have the revenge for the last time they made a deep playoff run for that 2009 NFC Champion. Yeah, there's a lot of history there, and I think we're going to get that. It, it feels like we're on a Vikings-Saints collision course in the playoffs. It really does feel that way to me as well, just because, you know, with the Saints, I would assume they probably hold on to that um, NFC South title. Can we stop the overreaction because they lost for the first time in three months to a really good Rams team? Well, can can we just take a step back and like, oh, they lost to a really good team? Okay, that's fine. And they didn't have Marshawn Lattimore. I, this overreaction to that Rams game is insane. Well, my favorite part of the overreaction is how much the the big talking point today in the Daily Norseman was how the Rams leapfrogged the Vikings in the in the power rankings, even though two weeks ago <laughs> the Vikings absolutely just manhandled the Rams and shut down their high high scoring offense. So. Yeah, I, it's one of those, it's kind of a rock, paper, scissors thing. And of course, the the, t- the Saints team that the Vikings beat in week one is much different than the Saints team that is playing now. The Saints are a much better team. They finally figured out that Alvin Kamara is a lot better than Adrian Peterson. They really found their identity. Yeah. But I would also argue that this Vikings team is a lot different in a lot of different ways. Not only this the, the Bradford to Keenum thing, but I think they're really comfortable and they have a really good identity of who they are. So... Um, bring on the rematch. I think that's what it is, though. Maybe that is what it is. Like, I think I would pick the Vikings to win that game if Bradford, the Bradford we saw, especially in week one against the Saints, was under center. Mm-hmm. I just, picking Keenum against Breeze and, a, and Peyton in a playoff game, especially with the way Ingram and Kamara are playing, is this two-headed monster. It's just, it's it's hard for me to see it. But I would say, I would pick the Vikings to beat the Rams in a playoff game. And either of those teams, especially if it's a home game for the Vikings, I'm I'm all about it. That's going to help yeah. for sure. And I think that's it's it's going to play a huge difference because yeah, going down and playing in New Orleans, or I mean, of course that Rams uh, quote unquote home field advantage doesn't really scare too many people either. But I think if the Vikings are hosting either of those teams, um, I still think probably the NFC will end up going through the Eagles because if you look at their schedule, there's they got a couple tough games, but um, it, the, so did the Vikings, you know, especially these next two weeks. But, yeah, I mean, that's, again, we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit, the Vikings and, and yeah. their fans. We 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 realize, actually, that's going to be kind of a theme of my uh, preview on Thursday for the my, the Vikings-Falcons game is this, how the Vikings are, fans are so used to the other shoe dropping, so... Uh, get to the dance first, get to the tournament, see what seed they have, and see who the opponents are, and then we'll worry about that. Here's all your preview needs to say this week. Just I'm just giving you some advice. You don't have to use this, but um, I think this is an important part. Trufant's not going to play, so Case Keenum should target the Falcon secondary that is down to two cornerbacks right now, because Poole is also, I believe, out. So... That is the matchup. Like, that is it. I, I'm i convinced that that's what it is. Because I think Xavier Rhodes has had success against Julio in the past. And I think Julio doesn't have the same kind of game he had a week ago. And I, I'm so nervous about that secondary situation. Because when the Falcons defense does not have true font back there, it's it's bad. And the Bucks passed a lot on them this past Sunday and they almost blew it because the, the Falcon secondary is just, it's brutal when those guys are out and it's not like Keanu Neal is a great coverage guy and Ricardo Allen's fine, but yeah, it no true font and just a lot of Robert Alford is going to be a problem. And it turns out the Vikings have uh, two really good receivers. 
So mm-hmm. I think that's the game. If Thielen and Diggs go off, there's no way the Falcons can win because they just there's no personnel they can throw out there to match Thielen and Diggs. Like that's that's the game. It's what those two do against a very beat up Falcon secondary. Yeah, and I think that I've been going back and forth. I still haven't made my pick. It'll be posted probably by the time this uh, podcast goes up. But it's there's a lot of things you could draw on just from both teams because Eric Kendricks also, he was kind of a surprise. He sat out on Wednesday at practice. And if he is out, uh, the Vikings depend on Kendricks and Anthony Barr so much, especially in the, the short passing game, just uh, – Covering because it sounds like Freeman's going to be back, right? He should. He got cleared. He's out of concussion protocol, yeah. but I don't know if that means he's playing. Yeah, well, I don't know. But even yeah, even saying. if he isn't, just just either running back with Coleman back there too. He's been doing great. Yeah. Coleman's been yeah. great. So yeah. I mean, just especially those two uh, out of the backfield uh, that can cause a lot of matchup problems because the Vikings are pretty thin at linebacker. After they have rookie Ben Gedeon who plays in the base defense, but. Of course, barely anyone plays uh, a ton of snaps in the base defense. The one thing that I've noticed so far, at least from watching... Freeman's playing, apparently. Sorry, yeah. I just looked this up. So Freeman is he is practicing full, so he is going Yeah, to that's kind of what okay. I, I saw as well. But the one thing I've noticed, um, if the, the passing attack, especially the short passing attack, it's nice to have uh, Julio Jones, uh, you know, he'll be shadowed by Xavier Rhodes. And there are two matchups so far. Rhodes is probably, I would say, one of them, even though, you know... Yeah, yeah. You can't shut Jones out completely by any means, but he's he's had quieter games a couple times that met up. Hold on, Steve Sarkeesian did a really good job of shutting out Julio Jones. (laughs) There are ways. That's another part of my preview. He finally realized, uh, yeah, going to Julio Jones on first down and deep—that's usually a pretty good idea. But um, Mm -hmm. that matchup that could you know kind of go either way. But just the the one I'm a little more worried about is having Mohamed Sanu. Um, covered by Trey Waynes, who's had, who's played better this season, but he still definitely had a lot of his ups and downs. So just having the past, I think both passing attacks are going to be able to find uh, quite a few holes. But the, I thought you were going to say you were worried about Muhammad Sanu, the quarterback, well, who is six for six in his career. He might be just is, a Is Muhammad Sanu a top fifteen quarterback in the NFL this year? I feel like he might be. <laughs> all the with all the directors. anybody who says that Joe Flacco is a better quarterback than Muhammad Sanu this year is not watching NFL games. Exactly. That is clear. I will say that. Yeah, he, he throws a way better deep ball. He actually attempts them. I'm like neither one of those things Flacco can say. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the but getting back to the the Falcons rushing attack, I think will be. Uh, pretty revealing just because they kind of like to run a lot of that outside zone and off tackle runs and that's really one of the Vikings strengths if they have everyone healthy like I said with Kendricks and Barr they're two of the better linebackers are going sideline to sideline they're really good at mixing in the secondary whether it's Mackenzie Alexander coming off the slot or Harrison Smith coming down from safety they're really good at setting the edge and making uh, uh, rushers cut back into the, the big boys in the middle especially Linval Joseph so if the Falcons have to lean on that outside attack I, I like the vikings chances that if they can make a little more one-dimensional if the vikings get a lead that'd be great but i could really still see this game going both ways just with how the falcons offense is they finally look like the 2016 falcons again i think oh don't don't go that far no they're not that, there. Well, they're i think better. their defense is a lot better though this year but their defense is a lot better. yeah i, I, I think dan quinn finally has a lot more of his guys of that seattle you know just the really physical really fast 
really the the attacking kind of players. And like you, the front seven's great. Yeah. Adrian Claiborne has been really good, obviously, and he is going to haunt Chaz Green's nightmares for the next twenty <laughs> years. But Grady Jarrett's really strong. He's like the most. He's like the unsung hero, I think, of that front seven. He just his name doesn't come up with a lot of fans, but he is really good for what the Falcons do. But there, the difference is just like I, I'm still just so worried about that secondary. I, I think it's just so thin, and when they are banged up like they are right now, they're very susceptible to getting in a shootout against teams. And I think the Viking, I think this is going to be a lot higher scoring game than people are expecting. I think both defense, both offenses are going to put up a lot of points. Is my my suspicion. Yeah, and I think that kind of plays a little more into the Falcons' hands, especially if it's a final game. Yeah. So that's that's the one thing that's kind of giving me pause. And especially, I mean, that Thanksgiving game, I thought Xavier Rhodes probably had his worst game of the season. He came up with the game-clinching interception. But To be fair, Marvin Jones has been like a top-five receiver this yeah. year. Like, another guy under the radar. Like, that catch he had on the – like, he is one of the best sideline catchers I, I've seen. Like, it's just, it seems like every sideline catch for him is like a Mario Manningham Super Bowl moment. It's just insane. I, I don't, I don't get it. He's so good at that. Yeah. He, he must practice that. I, it's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, and, the, and to give credit to Detroit, they have a really good set of wide receivers, but of course, so does Atlanta. So if they, just how open a lot of the receivers were was kind of gave me a, a little pause. And I think the, the Vikings wanted to just kind of keep Detroit you know, keep everything in front of them. Outside of that one long pass to Jones, I think they did a pretty good job of that overall. But just how open they were. Um, also, that game was space. weird. Yeah, of course. I mean, Latavius Murray had like one good drive and then like average 1.5 yards a carry for the rest of the game. Like, if you didn't watch the game, the stats were like kind of weird unless you watched it because the Vikings literally scored a touchdown on a drive where I don't think they threw a pass. Yeah, the, the opening like four running yep, plays. The opening, <laughs> uh, the opening drive of the second half, and it's like, oh, here, here we go. The, this is we're gonna put them away now. And then of course, um, what, what, the referees are a whole different thing. I, I don't think that was the greatest game by uh, that staff, but yeah, that's that's just how. The Vikings got a little conservative, and the Lions did their usual Lions comeback, even though we look like crap. They're just never out of it. It's so annoying. I don't think the Lions are good, but they just are never really out of a game. They're they're in every one, and their schedule down the stretch is super easy. They're going to hang around. It's very frustrating. This Vikings team will not go away. I mean, this uh, Lions team, I should yeah. say, will not go away. No, they're, they're not that good, but yeah, if you look at who they have to play down the stretch, they're going to be that, you know, they'll be nine and six or something like that. yeah I have nine week. and seven and it's just gonna be they're gonna be in it until the last week of the season it's, it's very frustrating so how do you like you don't want to give me a pick on this game but how do you see the rest of the season going do you think this team ends up with a bye yes I, I do think they finish yeah yep i think okay. especially now that they have the tiebreaker over the next two teams over the saints and That's you know true. it's basically a two-game lead they have right now over those two teams so i think these i would I'd be surprised if the Vikings go 2-0 over the next two weeks just because, that mm-hmm. I mean, that's quite a gauntlet after going, you know, at the three weeks in a row playing at the time the, the top three teams in the NFC wildcard race between the Falcons, Panthers, and the, the Lions. That's that's just a really tough gauntlet. If they can finish that 2-1, and one, I think they're well on their way to a bye. I would see something, you know, along the lines of a 13-3 and three or 12-4, and four, which a lot of times is good enough to get the – the number one seed, but I just don't see the Eagles tripping up more than one, one time. Maybe. I have the Eagles fourteen and two. I think they're getting. I actually had them losing this week to the Seahawks. That's I actually the uh, to preview my picks. I actually have them too, but then kind of run at the table after that. 
But um, okay. But yeah, I think I like it. We're on the same yeah, page. This is this, good. That means we're we're guaranteed to be right, right? So for yeah, sure. But I think you know that's that everyone's kind of waiting for uh, Cinderella to turn into a pumpkin again with Case Keenum. But I think the just this infrastructure the Vikings have around. I think they're they're going to be hanging in there. And I would agree. And I'm not exactly sure how um, deep this playoff run will go, but. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, and that's uh, just the fact that we're talking about a first-round bye when at the beginning of the season, when everyone was healthy with Delvin Cook and Sam Bradford. You know, we were kind of saying, well, nine and seven, maybe ten and six is the best. Maybe they'll sneak into a wild card. Um, it's been a a pleasant surprise, I should say, this season. Be honest. What would you enjoy more? The Vikings not losing a game for the rest of the regular season, or Blair Walsh missing two more game-winning field goals? down the stretch well i think the second one's gonna happen no matter what so <laughs> I'll, I'll say i would enjoy the vikings winning the rest of the regular season more yeah i i very much appreciated your pettiness towards the blair walsh experience <laughs> this season it's been one of my favorite running things to keep up with yeah and, and i've clarified especially on twitter that i that blair walsh the person is a great person he's a great guy but after that, um, the preseason game this season, the Vikings had. He pointed yeah, at the Vikings. Yeah, a, yeah. He made a 50-something yarder against, yeah, and he pointed at the sideline. It's like, okay, buddy, now I can, I, it's no holds barred. And uh, believe it or not, I mean, it's like Seahawks fans should have seen this coming, that, that he's uh, struggling. It's weird, huh? He's no Steven Hauschka. Oh, he is definitely. Yeah, and who is just absolutely lighting it up for the Bills still. So. Yeah, that was, that was weird. It uh, it did not go well for the Seahawks. But I do have the Seahawks, as we both said. I think they get this win. I'm still convinced that the Eagles are just the Cowboys of last year, just a better incarnation, where I think they have a great regular season. And then Carson Wentz has not played from behind that much this year. And I think if once they play a team like the Saints or the Vikings or someone else in the playoffs, the Rams maybe, whoever that can just kind of hit them in the mouth and get up on them like 20-7, to 7, we'll see what happens. But... I, I do not think the Eagles are a Super Bowl team this year. I think that's so. We'll yeah, I think that's an apt comparison. I think the Eagles' defense is a lot better than what the Cowboys had. And but you're right. I mean, the if you look back at the schedule, that's uh, one of the reasons why I'm picking Seattle this week is just because the Eagles really haven't had to get out of second gear for a month. They've played just yeah. absolute drecks for the last four weeks, and now you know the Seahawks are going to give them a run. It'll be you know if they put away the Seahawks easily too, then I'll definitely be a believer. And then I'll be very worried about them in the postseason. But again, uh, yeah, there's, and the Seahawks are out. The NFC is so tough this it's year. It's going to take at least, you need 10 yeah, wins. it's going to take at least a 10 and six record to get in, in the NFC. I don't see nine wins making it in at all. I, I could see eight wins making it in, in the AFC, but yeah, NFC is tough. I could see like four wins at this point. <laughs> and I think I would take like a four and 12 Raiders team over this Titans team that might sneak in or the Ravens. Like the Ravens are going to be a playoff team in the AFC. That's just oh, to, uh, just get to the AFC Championship game. Let's just get to the the Steelers and Patriots. Let's get to yep. Pat Steelers, yeah, 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 and get rid of the rest of them. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> going to be Blake Bortles at home against like yeah the Ravens or the Bills or something like that. I mean, that's we can just pencil that game in for the Saturday afternoon. I mean, that's absolutely going to oh be that God. wild card weekend. It's going to be so bad, uh, but man, you know, the Pat Shermer incubator. It's alive and yes. well. It's it's going well. No Dalvin Cook, no Bradford, no Bridgewater. No problem. And everything's rolling. No problem. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we were able to do this on a positive note. Both both our teams are doing well, and uh, 
I, I think this game Sunday is going to be a lot of fun. I think this is actually the most interesting. Like a lot of people are going to put the hype into the um, Eagles Seahawks game for good reason, yep. but I do think this game has a lot of long term implications, and I think we'll be able to learn a lot more from this game because if the Falcons last couple weeks are for real, or can the Vikings go into a potential playoff team's uh, home stadium and get a victory? I think it's a big Case Keenum game, so we'll see. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch it on Sunday. Absolutely. It should be a lot of fun. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. As always, it's always a lot of fun talking with you and catching up. Of course, Chase. Thanks again for having me on. All right. We can find you at dailynorseman.com. We can read you and your preview that's coming out tomorrow. This is uh, It's late on the East Coast, so I will probably post this early in the morning tomorrow. So that will be Thursday. And your preview will be coming up, you said, tomorrow? Yep. It'll be as of today. Thursday right around uh, lunchtime. Cool. So look out for that and uh, follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore J underscore Thompson and uh, all that good stuff. So, all right, one more podcast this week. And uh, yeah, so let's get out of here. Thank you as always, Eric. All right, man. All right, thanks. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.